Repodcasting is part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why they cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's our chance to give it a try. We're repodcasting. Hello, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of Repodcasting. This episode was recorded on site at the Calgary International Film Festival. Now in its 23rd year, SIF brings the best of Alberta, Canadian, and world cinema to Calgary each fall. Sign up for the SIF newsletter at sifcalgary.ca slash newsletter, or follow at SIF Calgary on all platforms to be sure you don't miss out on any of the exciting upcoming events. Today I'm interviewing filmmaker Chandler Levac, writer and director of I Like Movies. I Like Movies just played at the Toronto International Film Festival, the Atlantic International Film Festival, and right here at the Calgary International Film Festival. We're so thrilled she made the trip to Calgary, and I'm very thrilled to speak to her today. Welcome, Chandler. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So you've been through the festival circuit around Canada so far. How's that been going? It's been like amazing and, and very surreal. I'm on kind of a the cross Canadian tour right now. Um, so I like movies. It premiered at, at TIFF and then it played at um, Finn in Halifax. So now I'm here. Um, but this is my first time being in Calgary and I'm having the best time. I've never seen this part of Canada before. And oh, wow. um, the audience is just amazing. Oh, that's cool. And then from here, you're also going on to Vancouver? Yeah, I'm going to VIF. The film's playing um, October 8th and 9th there. I'm before that, I'm going to Montreal for Pop Montreal. Oh, wow. And then I think I'll end it with Windsor and um, St. John's, Newfoundland. Nice. Yeah. So you get to see the whole country. Yeah, no, just not Yellowknife or the Northwest Territories yet, but okay. uh, fing- fingers crossed. <laughs> awesome. Well, going back a little bit in time, did you always want to work in movies? Um, that's a good question. I definitely made movies in high school, and I was obsessed with film, and I worked at Blockbuster, which is kind of what my film is about and then I studied film in university but it was like very theoretical so I never saw a camera and I think that kind of psyched me out like the academic study of film was so intense for me that I I felt like oh I could never make a film like there are these kind of canonized objects that like only Jean-Luc Godard can make (laughs) and so I became a journalist and um, I started doing music journalism when I was really young like 18 years old and wrote a lot for magazines and and newspapers and um, was like a rock writer for I guess until I was about 25 and then and then I went to the Canadian Film Center and I did screenwriting there um, and then started making um, music videos for this punk band from Toronto called Pup so that was kind of my like weird securitist journey into filmmaking. Wow nice Um, and so I Like Movies is your first feature. Um, I'll just tell the audience a little synopsis without spoiling anything. So it's a coming-of-age story about Lawrence, a film-obsessed teenager who gets his dream job at the local video store. And as graduation looms ever closer, a series of painful realizations force Lawrence to realize he is a pretentious asshole. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a period piece. It's set in 2003? Yeah. Okay, cool. So why did you decide to set it back then? Well, that's when I was in high school, and I just thought I wanted to make kind of the most authentic film about my own experiences as possible, and uh, and, and video stores obviously don't exist anymore, so I really kind of just wanted to pay homage to sort of my adolescence growing up in Burlington, Ontario, where the film is set, and really make this like time capsule of Canadian early aughts culture, which, you know, I hadn't really seen any movies like that 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, were there any challenges to doing that in the sense of like, I don't know, did you have to make sure every car that was on screen was from before 2003 or anything like that? Yeah, it was It was really a, a lot of challenges because we were shooting a lot of times in like live parking lots and locations and during the third wave of the pandemic. So not only were there non-period cars, there were also people like walking by on their cell phones with masks on. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I'm very lucky. I worked with a tremendous um creative team like my production designer Claudia Delorso did an amazing job kind of just uh sourcing um you know she built this video store from from nothing oh wow my costume designer Courtney Mitchell did an incredible job just finding all of these amazing clothes you know like big Janko jeans and like (laughs) shirts with dragons on them and (laughs) you know we tried to reflect all the trends and then same with my hair and makeup designer Andy Clifford she you know, we, we had these like chunky, high, streaky highlights that I really wanted to have. And oh, wow. so it was really fun kind of going back and doing a lot of research of kind of what the trends were and what, what I remember my friends like houses look like and trying to, and then all that stuff was kind of called from like thrift shops in Burlington or my parents' house, like people's friends' basements, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 My parents' house is also like a time capsule. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, how long did you work on the movie? Like when did you start writing it? I started writing it in October of 2018, um, and then I spent about three years like developing the script and trying to like get it off the ground. And then we shot um, in March and April of 2021, okay. and then I spent a year, you know, in post working with uh, my editor Simone Smith and doing the score with my composer Murray Lightburn and the sound design and two other pickup shoots. So cool. it's been about. Four and a half years of my life. Yeah, wow. Like, uh, the first half of my 30s. <laughs> well, I think it was worth it. The oh, film thanks. is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, I love, too, that you worked with a female editor, because I like that scene in the movie where, I forget the character's name at the moment. But oh, Lauren P. Yeah, so, yeah, I like that she's trying to convince Lawrence to have her be the editor and talking about how many great female editors there have been in the, in the past. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Now... Did you know anybody like Lawrence growing up or maybe were you someone like Lawrence growing up? <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I, I'm sure I'm more like Lawrence than I would care to admit. And uh, I think that writing, this film was like an interesting exercise because I was, you know, in my 30s when I was writing the script, kind of the same age as the, his female boss, Elena, that he develops this kind of complicated friendship with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, remembering a lot of things that happened to me when I was a teenager and, and yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's sort of a cultural trope of like film bros and I've certainly worked with a lot of them or <laughs> encounter them live in the field, you know, as a film critic and a filmmaker and going to film school and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not all film bros are, are bad and certainly I have <laughs> great love and empathy for them, but I still know, like, a lot of men in their, like, 40s who can't make, like, direct eye contact and, like, you know, can only talk about the world in in cinematic references. And and, and if you know as much as they do, they just, like, internally collapse. And I guess I was thinking about those guys and what they were like in high school and if there was a way that maybe if something in their life had slightly shifted, you know, maybe they would have had an easier go in the world. And I, I'm, you know, and I also just feel like difficult people need like love and empathy, but also, you know, they still need to be called out and sort of forced to change. And there's a lot of popular culture about made, made and written and directed by men about young men where they don't learn that lesson. It's just like, 
kind of reinforce that like everything is for you and you're the hero of your own story and like don't change (laughs) you know you're a victim and and other people will realize your greatness and I I didn't want to make a film like that I really wanted to like hold him accountable yeah yeah something that I was really impressed by is like it says in the synopsis he is a pretentious asshole but even so I have to say like I I found myself having more empathy for him than I do for similar characters Mm -hmm. in other movies so I don't know if it like I think it's a combination of the writing and the actor. Yeah, yeah. I, I think in another person's hands, like this movie would be like insufferable, be like Dawson's Creek, <laughs> yeah. which is a show that I like loved so much in high school. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think Isaiah does like an incredible job at sort of just injecting so much nuance and vulnerability into his performance, and he's so charismatic and like lovable as a performer. Yeah. And it was really hard to find him and I'm like, you know, I think if if it if it had been a different actor, it would have been a completely different movie and I really think he's like the author of the film, so I'm I really loved working with him. Cool. What was the process of finding him? I worked with this casting director Jesse Griffiths, who's wonderful, um and over 300 actors auditioned, wow. submitted self-tapes. It was all over Zoom. The lead actor of The Fablemans, the new Spielberg movie, uh, audition for Lawrence. Oh, cool! <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't see it, but you know, he's doing great now. He's he's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I I just you know I watched after he called it down, and I probably watched about a hundred self tapes. Mm, like wow, all of these incredibly different iterations, and you know, I've never directed anything or made a film that was like personal to me, and I think my own voice. Mm-hmm. So it was really surreal to like hear to watch like a hundred people like doing a scene that you that you wrote and there were a lot of great actors but um, yeah Isaiah was one of the last to submit and he was just instantly kind of magnetic and so different than how I pictured the character but so much more rich and specific and, and interesting you know oh cool yeah in our typical podcast episode um, we talk a lot about casting and so. Like, it's really interesting to me to think of, because I'm sure you had an idea in mind Mm -hmm. when you started looking, but you just said, like, what he did was really different from what you're expecting. So that's really cool that, you know, you can see something brand new, and then that's what ends up on the screen. Yeah, like, you know, the right performer, they'll be, they'll be better, they'll elevate what you did. Like, they'll, they'll make, it's, it's much better to, like, reorient your movie around the performer than I think it is to sort of box someone into a mold that they don't belong in. Right. And I would much rather, you know, if, if you just find someone who's so captivating, like completely change everything just to like make the movie work for them and build the film like around their talent. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Isaiah was just like perfect and sort of innately understood the material already, but he, he like loved movies in the same way that I did. And he was like almost smarter than my writing and like, Without all these different ad libs and moments and nuances oh. to it, and I was like, "Oh, this scene is so much better." And like, he's just doing that like innately on his own because of who he is. And wow! So that was just really wonderful to like. I felt like we were really like a collaboration, and even though making a film during COVID with with a micro budget is like the hardest thing I've ever done. Like, we were so connected that it was like a joy every day just to show up and like direct him. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> well, what would you say to somebody if they told you that they really identified with Lawrence? 
Well, I mean, I I also do, so it's a safe space, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Show me your Stanley Kubrick DVDs and I'll show you mine. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Okay, so I just kind of have a question about, like, I don't know, maybe this is a little too into the weeds, but I was really curious while watching, because, you know, being set in a video store, there's movie posters and um, DVD cases and things like that all over, and I was just wondering, like, do you have to get permission to have a poster in a movie? Yeah, every single oh. title you have to clear with wow. like the distributor and producers of the movie. And you know, before I made this film, I was like, "Oh, it's so crazy that nobody's ever made like, you know, the coming of age like blockbuster video film." And it's like because it's really hard to clear a whole video store worth of movies, like yeah. nearly impossible. Oh my gosh. Um I did notice a lot of them were like really good classic Canadian films. Was that I mean, was it because it was easier to get them or was it because you were trying to like highlight that? What was the reasoning there? Um, yeah, I mean, we do have like Rules of Attraction and Monsters Ball and American Psycho 2. And <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it's, it, yeah, it's, it is this funny kind of universe where like a suburban video store for some reason has like a whole wall of like Bollywood, Hollywood by Deepa Mehta. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think that's kind of funny. Like I sort of wanted to like, pay homage to like Canadian cinema and do this kind of tongue in cheek thing where like, you know, in this, in this universe, those are the blockbuster movies at the video store. And it, yeah. And it, it was easier to kind of interface with those filmmakers and they were more generous and kind of uh, giving us access. You know? Oh, that's cool. And it's just nice to like give out shout outs to like, um, like Don McKellar's last night, which is one of my favorite movies of all time or Guy Madden's the saddest music in the world. Right. Awesome. And did you ever spend a night at the Blockbuster video? <laughs> like sleeping over in the store, like yeah. Lauren says? No. <laughs> okay. But I th- that would have been, I, I thought it was just like a funny idea. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> sort of a romantic image. You know, and there's a carpet, so it's not uh, so hard. <laughs> and he has a chip bag as a pillow, so. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Any tiny little movement and I'd be awake. <laughs> <laughs> so I typically have a co-host. Um, she's actually in Toronto. Oh. Um, so she couldn't join us today. But uh, she did provide some questions, too. So she was curious, um, what are your thoughts on having your movie premiere at TIFF? I mean, that's that's really cool that your first feature is premiering at such a grand film festival oh um yeah well it was just like it was a tremendous honor like I'm from Toronto I've been going to TIFF since I was like 18 years old um this is the 17th time I've been at TIFF um and uh yeah I mean it was it was like a tremendous honor and like the perfect audience for it and I was just blown away by the reception and enthusiasm for the film too like it's so amazing and crazy that you can kind of just write something that's like a little personal movie and that it, you know, and it could premiere at the lar- one of the largest film festivals in the world and connect so deeply with, with audiences. And um, it's just a tremendous vote of confidence that, you know, me and my creative partners are like on the right track. And that if you write something that's like super personal and authentic to your own experiences and voice that like can connect with like a huge audience. Yeah, for sure. It'll resonate. Absolutely. I wasn't at the Calgary screening, the first screening, but I heard that like the applause afterwards <laughs> went on for like three minutes and, you know, people were really enthusiastic. Oh, uh, that's wonderful. Yeah, it was, I think that was the best it's ever played. Like it was oh. just, the audience was unbelievable. And um, it was like, it's also just tremendous to like be able to travel and meet people and share your work with them. And, and of course, meet other filmmakers too. Like I, I feel like this is a really 
incredible year for Canadian cinema, and a lot of the films um, that I've been watching in Calgary like blown me away. Um, like uh, Soft by Joseph Amenta, and I'm, I'm going to go see Sophie Jarvis's Until Branches Bend tonight. And I feel like so lucky just to be part of this community and film of filmmakers in Canada right now. And I feel like things are really like shifting for Canadian cinema. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, speaking of which, whose work do you admire? Who are you influenced by? Who are my guys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what Mark Marion always said? Oh. <laughs> Um, I mean, I could, this podcast could be like six hours if I, if I go into it too much, but, um, like, well, how about, um, are there any people that you would really love to collaborate with in the near future? Oh, oh, that's a good question. I mean, I love, like, personally, I love, uh, Cameron Crowe is like my favorite filmmaker of all time. And I think he's almost famous as like the reason I became a music journalist. And I think it's probably also the reason I became a filmmaker. And, uh, I love, I love his movies. I love how much sincerity and, and heart and are in them, but also just how he does make these fully realized characters and um, really puts them through the ringer. Uh, Greta Gerwig, I mean, I feel like when I saw Lady Bird at TIFF a couple years ago, I was like, holy shit, I've never related so much to a film, and my movie certainly is ripping her off <laughs> in many ways. Um, and, and we actually shot on the same camera and lenses as, as, as Lady Bird, which was really cool through Panavision. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I just think her voice as a female artist is, like, formidable, and she's such an incredible director, and I'm so inspired by the path that she's taken. Um, and then in Canada, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm really lucky to have, like, some really close friends that whose work really, really inspires me, like uh, Trevor Anderson, who's a filmmaker from Alberta, mm-hmm. um, and uh, my friend Matthew Rankin, who's filmed the 20th century, is, like, insanely beautiful and crazy. Um, I, and then I love, uh, yeah, like, Ashley McKenzie's work and Sophia Bonanowitz's work and... Um, yeah, I, I think it's just a really, I don't know, and none of those people, I think, are working in a similar style to me, but it's mm-hmm. it's amazing just to see these kind of creative intersections and, and just be part of a community where you can talk to people and talk about your work and send them your scripts, and there's kind of a nice open exchange of dialogue there, too. Oh, that's great. So would you say, like, like is the film community in Canada, I don't know if friendly is the right word, but, like, people are open to to meeting and, and reading scripts and things like that? Absolutely. I mean, I, I would like to hope so. I mean, um, and also there's these different intersections. Like, I kind of came up through music videos. So someone like Graham Foy and, like, what he just did with The Maiden um, and how it, like, you know, it's similarly, like, we're all making these tiny talent-to-watch movies with, like, $125,000. But those are the movies every year that are, like, going to SCARP, going to, like, you know, international film festivals or, like, sweeping the Canadian Screen Awards like Scarborough did. And, um, you know, it's in some ways it's kind of sad that we have to do it with such little funding and... And those, the, there's kind of this like slush fund for diverse voices, and it's it's you're, and making these movies are so so hard, and mm-hmm. you have to be in such a position of privilege even to get to, you know, spend several years of your life like grinding it out trying to finish a film. Yeah, of course. Um, but I, I I do hope that it there's kind of the sea change now, and there's a little gap so that we get to make our second movie and our third movie and and stuff. Yeah, well, fantastic. So. A typical podcast episode for me is we are recasting movies that we think could use like just a little bit of a different voice. <laughs> so in the spirit of repodcasting, which movie do you think might benefit from a little creative recasting? That's a great question. Um, 
I don't know. I really like the Hal Ashby movie Shampoo. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> With Warren Beatty. Yeah. And I don't know if you've seen it. It's kind of modeled on like what John Peters did, um, who's in Bradley Cooper plays him in Licorice Pizza. He was like okay. this kind of like he was Barbara Streisand's hairstylist, oh. and then he became like a movie magnate producer. Um, but in the movie, it's about this kind of like male hairstylist that like sleeps with a bunch of his clients and and stuff. And it's kind of silly, but like sensual. And it's a great performance by Warren Beatty. It's I don't know, maybe that could be like a, a movie. <laughs> you can maybe gender swap it or something. Oh, absolutely. I don't know. That's kind of an insane one. I, I think I should have a better answer for this. I'm sorry. No, I think that's pretty fun. I like it. So I did want to ask, um, like, because I did have a friend who was at the Q and A the other day in Calgary, and she said um, that you, like, she was, she wanted me to ask you about the aspect ratio. Oh yeah, yeah. Because so, like, you didn't shoot in a typical aspect ratio. Yeah, we shot in um, one three three one, mm-hmm. which is the Academy aspect ratio. So it's the way that like movies like Citizen Kane and Gone with the Wind were shot. Like, oh, okay. And I thought there was kind of a funny irony to that, like, um, that that this movie that's set in a video store would be, like, in that aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also just really beautiful, and I, and I love it. Um, but it ended up being really great because we could sort of frame out, like, all the non-period elements. You know, if there was, like, an A&W sign, like, lurking in the background, we could, like, crop it off. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, I think it also kind of mirrors, like, Lawrence's, like, really myopic view of the world and how his own, like, narcissism, like, he literally, like, can't see in, like, a larger aspect ratio because he's oh, so, wow. <laughs> like, blinded. Yeah. And I think I said at the Q&A that, like, like, I'd love to keep making these films, like, maybe every 10 years we could, like, check back in with Lawrence and, like, you know, the next one could be called, like, I like films and then, like. I like cinema, you know? And so yeah. maybe as he, like, matures, like, the frame gets bigger because he's, oh, like... <laughs> I love that. His perspective is shifting, and he, he literally can, like, understand more of, like, the world and human... Other people exist to him more in his frame of reference. Right. That's so cool. I hope you actually do do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, do you have any upcoming projects that you can talk about? Uh, I, no, I'm, I'm okay. developing a couple <laughs> things. Um, sometimes I review movies for the Globe and Mail. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it. That's what's going on with me right now. Cool. Um, do you plan to make more movies? Yeah, of course. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, if, if I get the, the luxury and the privilege to do so. Of course. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Um, did you want to give any plugs before we wrap up? I mean, I, will, I guess go see I Like Movies, of course. <laughs> I will give a plug to Isaiah Lettinen's, um solo rap project called oh. Hermit, which is incredibly excellent. Oh, and cool. um, he has this EP called Stage Clear that you can listen to on SoundCloud. And then I think he's also working on a full length. But um, he does this amazing kind of like SoundCloud rap that has a lot of niche movie references in it. Like, oh, nice. Like Synected in New York. And like he has this song called like, where he goes like feel like Bong Joon Ho 2020 <laughs> <laughs> and, like if you love I like movies you'll love his his rap project Hermit because it's okay. it's like as if Lawrence was a rapper <laughs> fantastic I'm gonna listen to it as soon as we finish <laughs> <laughs> um, well thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with me today thank you so much uh, really appreciate it okay take care thanks this episode of repodcasting is brought to you by Park Power your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta Offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. Winter is coming, 
and energy usage for all Albertans will be increasing, so now is a great time for listeners to look at their utility bills and ensure they are on the best plan. Albertans have a choice who they pay their utility bills to. Park Power is happy to provide free, no-obligations comparisons. If you decide to switch providers, it's easy, and you can feel good knowing you are supporting a local business and helping to give back to our communities with your utilities bills. Learn more at parkpower.ca. This episode of Repodcasting is brought to you by PodPower. With PodPower, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a PodPower shout-out to Your Forest. Your Forest is a podcast about the natural world. Hear stories about the environment, renewable resources, conservation, forestry, hunting, fishing, and more. This is a podcast for those who cannot live without the joys and wonders of all wild things. Find Your Forest wherever you get your podcasts or at yourforestpodcast.com. That's yourforestpodcast.com.